and welcome back to Now Screaming, episode 85. I'm Evan Culbertson. And I'm Liz Smart. We're watching all the horror movies currently available for streaming on the internet. So you don't have to. This week we're talking about the 2013 Eli Roth horror film The Green Inferno, which is available right now on Netflix. I think that Eli Roth is a fairly well-known name in the horror community for the Hostel films, as well as for his acting role in Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, I have a very specific relationship with that movie and that scene. I, like, really fixated on him a lot. Uh, really? Watching... Oh, oh, yes. In college, I was just like, it awakened something in me um, that has... <laughs> I don't know. It was just really, it was very impactful. And, uh, I have like, I have really, a really high opinion of him because of that movie. But then it was like, as I was getting into horror, it kind of was like, well, he's actually also this horror personality that maybe is a little bit more controversial, um, not as beloved. And that was like something that I've had to kind of wrestle with not having any relationship with his movies, but not them knowing that they're not really up my alley. Yeah, I don't want to dive too much into Eli Roth, the person, but by all accounts, he's kind of at least an asshole and, like, yeah. proud of that. You know, he seems to want to be an enfant terrible. But regardless, I think the Hostel films kind of kicked off a torture porn wave that is not my favorite thing. I've spoken yeah. fairly at length about how the horror films of the 2000s, I think, really dropped the ball. That's what I was referring to, when, with and not knowing that he's not really up my alley as well. The Green Inferno, though, is an intentional homage and throwback to the cannibal films of the 70s and 80s, specifically Italian cannibal films like Cannibal Holocaust, which is like one of the most controversial films of all time, and Cannibal Ferox. Much in the way that I think that his friend Quentin Tarantino is very into, like with the project Grindhouse, taking the fucked up drive-in movie Grindhouse Theater films of their youth and bringing them into the 21st century, I think is the the same sort of project that The Green Inferno is. It's named after it a film within is. a film in Cannibal Holocaust. It's explicitly referenced to Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah, and he he's said many times that they, those were, both the movies you named were his direct uh, influences. Yes. And I, I mean, as a result, this is a pretty grimy, nasty cannibal movie in the same vein as those 70s, 80s Italian cannibal films. Yeah. It actually premiered at TIFF in 2013 and didn't actually get theatrical distribution until 2015, partially because of some financial stuff, but also partially because there was some controversy about it. Both the complicated uh, racial implications of this film, as well as just anytime something is like NC-17 gory, yeah, you know, there is a Puritan stir about it. Mm -hmm. I must say, I would not recommend this film. And no. I will get into it for... I think I wouldn't recommend it for a couple reasons, and we'll talk about why, but specifically, it's pretty gross, but that isn't the reason why. No, I. it's so funny. We talked about this a little bit last episode when we rolled this on the roulette, that it was like, oh, I'm so worried because I hate gross stuff in horror. Oh no, this is going to be really hard to watch. So I was really prepared to be super messed up, and there have been a lot of horror movies that have absolutely, like, I couldn't even look at them. I mean, ba Baskin is something that we, yeah. we, we talked about. The Human Centipede obviously is horrible. But even things that we, like, went into kind of innocently, not knowing they were going to be like this, I couldn't watch them. And this was, like, it felt really tame. It felt like like any other horror movie. Yeah, I agree. So 
for those who aren't familiar, those those seventies and eighties cannibal films, and in general, like that era of Grindhouse, especially Italian, is like really, really like even to me in in twenty twenty, like pushes the boundaries of nastiness. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of like real life animal mutilation and death. Yeah. Um, cannibal Holocaust was shown. I guess this summer, this spring, whenever it was, uh, on Shudder's Joe Bob's Last Drive-In show. And they specifically warned people in advance that the part of part of that show's appeal is like the surprise of what are we all going to watch as a, as a community on Friday nights. Mm-hmm. They said, listen, one of these is going to be Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> if you don't want to be a part of that, you can feel free to sit that out. Which is the kind of reputation these movies have, that they're so... Upsetting, yeah. Upsetting, disgusting, deplorable morally that you need is, to be prepared to look this away. This could be pretty uh, disgusting morally, but for a completely different reason. Pretty different reason. I mean, Cannibal Holocaust, we keep going back to Cannibal Holocaust, but it is the, it's the, um, it's, the it's, lodestar for yes. this. I mean, like they, they did a, like, I mean, uh, now it'd be viral marketing, but like they pretended that the actors in that movie were actually killed on set and they like went really? into hiding. The actors in that movie oh went into God. hiding and like didn't do press because it was part of the like shock and awe appeal of that film that you're actually witnessing. That's it comes, really cool. It comes out of Mondo Films, which is like a a shock genre of Italian films that was like, let's go to native cultures and film some fucked up shit and then yeah. bring it back as like a documentary. And like some of that was actually like documentary type stuff. But the point was always like exploitation and shock. Yeah. And so then they made a fake cannibal movie and tried to sell it as that. Right. And so this this, this movie comes in with that sort of expectations. But it's nothing. It's it's a really average horror film. Yeah. It really, really is. It really is. I mean, I, I don't know. It's really interesting coming into it from this perspective right now because uh you and I just finished watching Hannibal for the first time all the way through. I'd seen some of it before, but we the television were, show. The television show. Not the two thousand one mm-hmm. movie, By which Ridley is Scott. also shitty. And also, you know what, honestly, the two thousand one Hannibal movie is also really gross in a similar way. Yeah. Um but there are things that happened in the Hannibal TV show that actually turned my stomach. And I wonder if I have been desensitized <laughs> because every time something happened in this movie, I just kept thinking, like, this is not grosser than Hannibal making Mason Verger eat his own nose. Like, nothing is. Like, I just, I think that's I mean, like, honestly frankly, what it is. It's not grosser than the first Hellraiser. Right. Right? Yeah. Like, let's set aside something like Lucio Fulci or Alberto Lindsay, like the real fucked up people. Like, this is like run-of-the-mill, there's gore. I also... But it's not upsetting. I have a really complicated... This is actually... We're going to get really deep into something before we even get to the plot of this movie, but that's okay because the plot's stupid. Um, I find sometimes movies from the 70s and 80s that don't look real grosser. And I don't know what that is. That, like, this is a movie from 2013, so they're trying to make it look real. Yeah. And for some reason, them actually hacking at a body and making it look like they have actually removed an arm from the body is less gross to me than the weird, rubbery, gooey aspect of Hellraiser. Yeah. Even though it's like, oh no, this is closer to reality, so it should scare and gross me out more, there's this feeling of watching Hellraiser where you're like, that's not real skin. For some reason... It's something about that, like, viscera, but Hmm. it looks so fake, but it seems grosser to me. I have a harder time watching someone get ripped apart in Hellraiser, even though it looks so fake. I don't know what that is. Like, it's just, I was sitting here thinking about it as you said, it's not grosser than Hellraiser. And I'm like, well, it's because Hellraiser, it's like, something about those special effects are just disgusting to me. Yeah, I think that, again, 
if you were worried, if you were interested in this movie, but worried that you were going, for example, going to see like a monkey murdered or like real animal torture or people be disemboweled in really like skin gory being ways. peeled off. Like that just feels like there's just a lot of things kind of, and even some of the things that happen in this movie are horrifying, but the camera cuts away instead of showing it. And you're like, at that point, why didn't you show it? If this is supposed to be like, well, like Roth said, like I want people to see something they've never seen. It's like, then show it. Well, specifically because of the type of horror that this is, this is like, this is exploitation horror. Yeah. Right. It's not, there's an argument for, you know, what you don't see being scarier. That's not what That's this is trying yeah, to do. No. And so I think it fails as like being a fucked up exploitation movie. Again, maybe the two of us watched I didn't wanna, too many horror here's movies. The thing, like, I didn't want to see that. I don't want that. But I am curious and critical of acting like this is some big, scary movie. Oh, people are going to puke in the theaters. And it's like, really? Maybe someone who's never seen a horror movie before... It just isn't that. It isn't that bad. I just I don't know. I don't know what the, all the fuss is about. Yeah, I wanted to be repulsed by seeing some horrible shit that I never seen before. Wanted is complicated version, yeah, but yeah. I wanted that more than what I did get, which is that I was repulsed by the stupidity, misogyny, racism, racism. like. <laughs> So much, so racist, which is in the genre. I think that's inherent, honestly. Sure, like, but this movie's yeah, this movie's fundamental ideology is, and let, we'll, let's start talking about it now because yeah, yeah, it, yeah. this is an anti SJW movie. It is so reactionary. It's caring about things. Yeah, is bullshit. It, to I, Eli wouldn't, Roth. I wouldn't even no. It's not. It's it's a slightly more complicated than that. It's not even like that. SJWs are full of shit. It's that they don't exist. It's that people who are out for like the good of humanity. All the, they're actually just out for themselves. They're actually just out for PR. They're actually just out for, you know, whatever themselves. So, like, I don't think it's anti-SJW. It's just anti-people. It's anti-unity uh, and uh, community. It's just, like, it's just, like, you're all fakes. He has said in interviews that slacktivism is the real villain of this film. And that that's, that's what, what I'm talking about, though. Yeah. Like, that, that's not, that's not SJWs. He thinks that are, activism is slacktivism. Is fake. I he does not yeah. think that... That's what I'm saying. He thinks that, like, people who pretend to care about these things everyone is always pretending right there is no real fight to be won and therefore yeah. again i'm extrapolating here but therefore eli roth think sjw's are fucking i hear you loser I, guess, cucks. I guess when when you say that i think of it being more critical of the concept of caring about things i don't think that eli roth is saying this that it's bad to care about things it's that he doesn't believe anybody actually does care about things right, right. it's so yeah. misanthropic and i think it's very that's where i was looking for misanthropic. from a right-wing point of view i do not know who eli roth votes for uh, i don't know any of that yeah i, I really know. felt so much of this movie feels like specifically reactionary and conservative to me even in it just being like appealing to you know, there's some other movie where he's like, you know, good horror has to make some people upset. Yeah. Like, he's like, if everyone likes it, then it's not a horror movie. Which is just, like, stupid bullshit. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. I think we should talk more about it as we get into the plot, because I think that the ending is really weird, and I think that it will inform what we're talking about here. Sure. This movie is about primarily Justine, played by Lorenza Itzo, who married Eli Roth a year after this film was made <laughs> and divorced him four years later. Uh, you may recognize her as Francesca Capucci from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Fantastic performance. She's very, very funny. And she is the daughter of a UN lawyer who's attending uh, a college. And She's attending a college, not her UN lawyer Correct. father. <laughs> Good point. 
Uh, Sky she, Ferreira is her roommate. Sky Ferreira is her roommate. She's barely in this. Uh, Justine gets wrapped up in a college activism group who have a couple different causes over the course of the film. Yeah. But the cause that ends up driving the plot is that they are they are going to go fight deforestation in the Amazon. Um, Alejandro is the leader of this group. And his mm-hmm. core ideology, his main tenet of protesting is if you film it and you embarrass them, it and being whatever is objectionable and them being mm-hmm. whoever's doing it, yeah. then that will be how you show the world. That's how you stop it. Yeah. So whether it's uh, deforestation, whether it's the loggers and the corporations, you film them and humiliate them, or as he suggests should happen, go to Africa, film tribes doing female genital mutilation and shame them on the world stage. Yeah, the reason he brings this up to her is because they are in class and she learns about female genital mutilation for the first time and is horrified, shocked and horrified, raises her hand and is like, my father works for the UN. You know, we could, we could get him involved and, and do something about this. And it's like, uh, uh, God, it's, she, she makes this her personal cause immediately. Female genital mutilation, which has no place in this movie. doesn't actually want to do anything about it. Also, she like, like then uh, another guy comes up to her and is like, hey, like I heard you in class, you know, you should join our group. And she's like, I'm not really into stuff like that. <laughs> it's like, you just, okay, okay, sure. Every, every moment of this movie, I'm just like, okay, sure. Okay, sure. Like, I think the complicated line that this is walking and ultimately what it fails for me is that it is contemptuous of its characters. Yes. Sure. Fine. Whatever, not a problem on board, but it also seems contemptuous of women. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, and it just—I mean, I couldn't tell. This is what was really hard to tell. The whole, this whole, leading up to this is how much are we supposed to like Justine? Because I find her incredibly stupid she's and horrible. awful. Uh, be- and and how much are we? Are we as an audience supposed to go? Oh my god, what? female genital mutil that does sound terrible or are we supposed to be, as an audience go yeah it's it might sound terrible to us in the west it's cultural it's very complicated like it's not as I don't easy. even want to dive it's, into well, that it's, so, it's this movie posits that it's as easy as just hating brown people for doing it right like yes. that's kind of what it's saying is yes. like scary spooky people in these countries these third world countries do it and therefore we must fear them. I don't want to defend female genital mutilation on this podcast. That's what I'm saying it's cultural. That is, but that is not our perspective no. is just want to make that clear. Yeah. There's also lines like she like they're talking about a hunger strike for I think janitor rights. It's gender's uh pay. Yeah. Um and she makes some comment about like oh you just want to starve yourself and and Justine is like yeah what girl doesn't. Oh my god. Like I <laughs> oh god, and I don't, and I don't so know bad. how I don't know how much we're supposed to be like you dumb fuck college girls, or we're supposed to be like yeah, women do be starving themselves. Like what? What are we supposed to? Oh my god, I don't know. Maybe I'm coming into this. I will confess that maybe I'm coming into this with too much of a anti Eli Roth chip on my shoulder, and that's why I'm seeing this. I just this don't way. know. I don't know. I don't think the movie makes it clear, and not that every movie has to take a moral stance. But Justine is our main character, and we have to care about her. Yeah, but this is not an this is not an amoral movie. This movie is moralizing specifically, yes. like it has a moral message against slacktivism. So therefore, we have to take everything it's presenting us in stride, knowing that it is a moral movie. It is not trying to like Hellraiser isn't about how like pleasure is bad, right? Oh, yeah. Like it, it's that's not a moral movie, right? Ch- Child's Play. I don't know why I'm picking movies from yeah. eighty seven to eighty eight. <laughs> Child's Play is not about how like buying a doll 
uh, in a discount like situation right before holiday is bad. Like it's it's not about that, yeah. right? This movie is about how something is bad, and therefore I don't know how to read the like the vapidity of its characters. Yes, other than. Eli Roth being smug about it. And yes, and that women It feels a, 18 smug. to 20 year old women are stupid and And men. He I mean like the men in this movie are also pretty horrible, but like it They're, they're not the, dumb though. They're they're there's a it's smugness yeah. that really, really, really rubs me the wrong way. It is smug, you're right. That's a very good word to describe it. Anyway, they go to the Amazon, they go to Peru. They're very this. encouraging of her being there, also, I will say. Like, she doesn't really want to, and Alejandro and a guy, Jonah, who clearly has a crush on her, like, really want her to be there, I, which I think will come up later, which is why I think it matters. We come up right now. Like, they go and they do it, right? Like, they land in Peru, and then they go downriver mm-hmm. in these boats. Um, we see Daryl Sabara from Spy Kids' penis. We do. And balls. All of it. Completely unnecessary. I don't... But... Yeah, just... And we... Because, again... Show it. Like, why? Ugh. He's going to the bathroom in the jungle, and there's a tarantula that we see climbing towards him, and his dick is out, and we're like, we know where this is going, and... Then it cuts then, to then him, it cuts running, to on him running on the forest, and it's like, well, okay. Upset me. Yeah, like, like <laughs> again, I don't want to see it, but why aren't you showing it? Why aren't you trying to show me what I don't want to see? That's that's the question. That's I'm a little bit the point question. where, like, I do want to see it because <laughs> I would rather close my eyes and not see something upsetting like that, or, yeah. like, the female genital mutilation scene, which we'll get to, but... Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. It fucking comes full circle. Like, <laughs> I, I, Evan, don't want to look at that, but I want you to... If you're trying to upset me... I think that's my perspective, right? Like, Jordan Peele or Mike Flanagan isn't trying to upset me in their films. No. Eli Roth wants to provoke and horrify, and I think he failed at that job... Yes. ...specifically with the... Like, the horror aspect yes. of this. Yes, he failed at what he wanted to do, what he set out to do. Yeah. Anyway, they go down river, they chain themselves to the trees, bulldozers, etc. And... I was really interested, actually. This is the only thing I found interesting about this, is I've never been part of a protest like this. And I just thought it was cool seeing all of their gear, that, like... She had this issue, Justine, where she she's having trouble with her lock and it's not locking. To chain herself to, chain to herself the tree. To the tree. And I was like, why is that a problem? Like, you'd think it'd be the other way that the lock, uh, it, you know, if your lock isn't working, who really cares? And you can get free easier. But it's like that put, makes her vulnerable. Right. So they them. can pull her away from the tree. Exactly. And they're going to shoot use her, her as, yeah. as collateral. And also that I, th- I thought it was interesting. They didn't really sh- make a big deal of showing up, but I thought it was cool that when they're on the tree, they put those like tubes on their arms to like yes. connect them. I don't know. I, just th- I thought that was like, it's not a good thing of this movie. They're just, they're doing their due diligence of what protests in the Amazon look like. But I thought it was cool. I was like, I'm interested in those kind of protests. Yeah, they're very well prepared. Um, Justine gets does get pulled away from the tree and gets a gun to her head. And of course they're filming... Um, with their phones. That's Alejandro's whole thing. His whole thing. And then it comes out that Justine is the daughter of a UN lawyer. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, they got to pack it up. Yeah. Alejandro says it very obviously and loudly, implying that this was like kind of his plan all along, was to use her as like, they'll do what we say if we have this UN, you know, proxy here. Yeah. Do you want to talk about their stupid, like, face masks that they wear? Like, the Jabberwockies masks? Oh. <laughs> that they take off the second that the protest, like, works? Yeah, it's so dumb. Because, like, why? It's so stupid. It's insane. So apparently this works. Their fucking five minutes of activism works. They get on a boat, and they get on a plane, and they're like, Yay, we did it! We're Beer, all over Reddit cheers. and CNN. Like, 
We yeah. picked this up. It's and Justine's be... mad, but they're like, hey. Justine feels used. You would have you would have never been in danger. You're fine. Whatever. But then their plane gets an engine issue and they crash in the jungle. Uh, and they all immediately just go down like flies. Like they yeah. land the those who survive the crash get blow darted and abducted within a minute. Yeah. <laughs> they really do. Because they're like looking around the and, cannibal tribe. Yeah, the one say. the one gal who we're supposed to not like gets an arrow straight through her neck. So they're abducted by the cannibal tribe, and I want now to talk about them. They are the Yahes. Uh, mm. It was a real tribe that Eli Roth filmed. They were not indigenous, yes, but they were isolated. Yes. Uh, do you want to try to pronounce the name of the tribe? Uh, no. Great. Neither do I. <laughs> um, but they're a Peruvian tribe, and they were apparently thrilled to be in this movie. Um, he showed them Cannibal Holocaust. Every story, I want to say this because I do We'll have, get into trivia later, yeah, though. I want to say this, though. Every story that comes out of this sounds fake. Yeah. Like, and I almost, I kind of don't believe Eli Roth because it all sounds... It's just myth-making. Like, really good... Yeah, like, like myth-making, like a really good story, and In I do not believe him. of Cannibal Holocaust yes. pretending the actors died, yes. right? Um but I want to talk about this tribe specifically because regardless of whether or not they had fun in this movie, like good for them. I hope they were paid well. Um, they look like aliens. I don't know what the decision was here. And we could, we could talk about sort of like the, the savage trope, but mm-hmm. um, they either are painted head to toe in red paint. I think they maybe are. Maybe blood. Yeah. Uh, or they have, they're painted in black paint with like a yellow ring around their eyes and a huge bone that extends like through their nose and around their skulls. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're yellow. There's a, there's yellow ones, black ones, and red ones. Okay. Taken, uh, let's like setting aside the context of racist portrayals of native peoples yeah. in film. They look pretty fucking cool. Yeah. If they landed, if this is about a uh, them crash landing on an alien planet, <laughs> we'd still have to deal with sort of the like the yeah. othering of it. Yes. But like the the makeup design actually looks fucking crazy. One of the posters of this movie is one of the people with like a ring bone around their head, and it looks like fucking freaky. Yeah. Like it looks scary, and I I feel very torn. I bring this up because I'm torn right. about it because Examine I think it looks your... cool. Yeah. It looks cool. It's also super racist. I think, yeah, I think that's also, that's the, the interesting feeling that I had watching it. Not so much the scary element, but how, um, some, not that, not the head, headhunter, that's I think the one you were talking about, yeah. the yellow guy with the big bone, but just the, 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 especially the women and the children who are just sort of like a lot of, yes, a lot of scenes in this movie are just them sitting around like mixing food and talking to each other. And because I think they are talking to each other in their actual native tongues, it comes across extremely real. And a lot of it doesn't, right? Because, you know, he is making up a tribe here. Yeah. But a lot of these scenes of just, again, I said the women, not, not when they're doing any kind of performing, when they're just sort of sitting around. I was like, oh, this tribe feels extremely real and lived in and realistic because I think in those times they are just actually being themselves. Yeah. So that was an interesting feel on it that it wasn't just like, Oh, you know, this, this scary mean tribe who's here to just kill all these innocent white people, um, or Westerners. Cause a lot of them are, aren't white necessarily, but like there were moments where I was like, Oh, this is actually like interesting. And they're being portrayed also in their, um, what isn't just murdering and and eating, you know, yeah. just like kind of their regular sort of tribal rituals that I was like kind of fascinated by. That again, I think we're not Eli Roth doing anything except having a camera in front of them. Right, right. Um, 
it's complicated. It's... I actually don't think that we can like really unpack it all in a podcast episode. No. Like the jo- the genre. This is actually what I was going to say earlier when you were bringing this up. I think the genre of cannibal uh, tribes is racist, just yeah. inherently, it right? Is. It is. Uh, and I think that when we talk about taking um, classic movies from 60s, 70s, 80s and bringing them into the modern day, a lot of that is always going to be kind of cleaning up things that are racist or sexist yeah. or homophobic or whatever. Like, let's bring them into the modern day by actually bringing them into the modern day. And I don't know that you can do that with this genre, except unless you did, like, a lot of research and were extremely careful and consulted tribes so, I mean, and didn't just use them as props and i think that that's like I almost think that impossible that's what eli roth thought he did yeah and all of the again numerous if you do any googling like human rights watch and like amazon rights watch groups uh completely think that he fucked it up which he did bad. i think he did too i don't i don't know if there's a right way to do this yeah because i think that like <sighs> the problem is i'm not educated in this either I don't know where the, I don't even know where these legends come from. Sure. You know, so like I don't even feel I I don't think you're you got it right. I think we can speak to it because I just think that it's always going to come across because most people aren't educated about it. Well, it's always going to come across as like othering and these evil savage tribes in Africa and South America, like they're just so spooky and evil, and us Westerners are like just trying to live our lives and they're just trying to kill and eat us. You know, it's just yeah. always going to come across. I want to like caveat that. that way specifically because I don't want to pretend like we're experts and we know what's right and Eli Roth is wrong by our estimation. It feels wrong to me while watching the movie. I can't speak to the the academic uh, principles behind it, right? Like, Well, and ultimately, I feel like I can because no, <laughs> anthropology is inherently racist and like, I just, I don't, I really actually I think don't that's believe. A separate, I think that's separate. Sure. I just, I don't, I don't know that I believe there's a way to do this without being racist. I don't, I don't know that I believe I agree that. with you. Okay. I'm just saying that I don't think that we can I can't comment on the minutia of it, but I think you're right. It feels wrong. I think it is wrong. Eli Roth did more research than I have done, and he fucked it up. Yeah. But I didn't need to do that research to know that it was fucked yes. up. <laughs> yes. Like, that's, yeah, that's that's the heart of it. Yeah. They get put in a cage. Um, Other bad stuff happens. The black guy gets killed first, which feels knowing because it's Eli Roth, but also doesn't redeem it. No. Uh... I don't want to talk about everything that happens. They mostly just sit around in a cage. And like you said, sometimes it's just filming them do stuff. And then sometimes they either, they have diarrhea or they're jerking off or they're uh, realizing that they're being fed their friends and they're killing themselves. Trying to escape and getting caught. I did read something that was like, all of them get killed and or mutilated in a way that has a commentary on their um, character struggles. Uh, I will just list them. Jonah struggles with his weight and they eat him first as kind of a, like, delicious, uh, you know, first course. Um, I didn't notice this, but apparently the girl who kills herself has, like, self-harm scars. Um, so it's like her suicide is very is a commentary on that. Uh, the girl with the tattoos, they kill her, and they take her tattoos and, like, put them on themselves for funsies. Um, commenting, I guess, on her body modification. Again, I think this is very stupid, but this is apparently intentional. This is like a 1986 slasher idea. Like, yes. this is not like yes. no, smart. It's dumb as shit. But I, oh, and um, how does how does Lars die? Daryl Sabara, he he gets them high, right? Yes, yes, he gets them high. Oh, they get the munchies, and then that's what, that's that's what he dies. yeah. The girl who um kills herself kills herself. They put weed into her so that when they cook her, she's like. 
She's like a magic, whatever, a magic brownie version edible, of a yeah. person. She's an edible, yeah. And so they all get high, and then Daryl tries to, or Daryl, Lars, the character, tries to escape, and they're, like, just standing over him giggling, and then they get the munchies, and they eat him live. Uh, this, again, it's it's really, it actually sounds more horrifying than I think it looks on screen. It's pretty boring. It's not great. Uh, the women get their uh, genitals mutilated, but we don't see they that actually don't. at all. They don't. They line all three of them up as if they're about to, and then she gets cut, Justine, but I don't think they do the full thing because that's what they're dressing her up for at the end. This was also really stupid and weird, and I don't understand it, but they're, obviously this whole female genital mutilation thing comes back, but w- what we learn from Justine's class in the beginning of the movie is that it is something that is like a, uh, a coming-of-age uh, ritual ceremony kind of thing. It's like what makes you a woman, uh, or I guess it's like when you're a woman, this is done to you. I don't know. Uh, again, not not factual, probably. And so I don't understand why they would do it to Justine. Like, I don't know if the implication is that they were, like, adopting her into the tribe, in which case, like, that doesn't make sense because they ate all her friends, and the only thing she does to differentiate herself is she has this little flute necklace that she plays for one of the kids. You're describing Midsommar. No, yeah, but they don't even do, like, a little dance to make her queen of whatever. Like, she just is herself... But they're like, you're part of our tribe now, so time to mutilate your genitals. But then they don't. There's a well, whole, like... she runs away. Yeah, there's a whole, like, oh, they're about to. Oh, what's that noise? It's the bulldozers. They're back. Because Alejandro's a fucking liar. And this is the big twist that Alejandro... Uh, staged this. Staged this in order to get attention on his organization. But there was always going to be bulldozers coming back after three days and tearing this whole place and apart. And that's ultimately w- rescues. Justine is the only one who survives at the end and she's rescued well, by the Alejandro bulldozers. Alejandro technically does too, but she leaves his ass behind. We don't need to talk about that. I digress. Um, <laughs> he also says that Bush did 9-11, which is hilarious. He does say that Bush did 9-11. I was laughing so hard. Oh my God. I don't think there's really more to talk about in the, like, plot of this movie. There's, like, a solid 45 minutes where they're either sitting in a cage or some awful thing is happening to them. There's CGI animals in this movie that look terrible. There's both ants and there's also a fucking jaguar setting on a beach. But, like, looks as bad as the CGI and they're watching. Just, like, <laughs> truly abhorrent. Uh, yeah, it's just, like, I think that the end is important to talk about. She does well, some dumb shit. Yeah. yeah, she does. She she Filmo. escapes with the help Filmo. of this. Yeah, Phil. I hate her so much. She escapes with the help of this little child. Um, who likes her flute. Nexus. Who likes her flute. He likes that she likes to play the flute. It was actually the only touching part of this, in this whole movie, I think, actually. Is there, she's running with the little boy. And um, behind her, Alejandro is screaming, Justine, Justine, because he knows she's leaving her behind. And the little child turns around and goes, Justine, in this like little voice. And again, I think because this child like doesn't actually like speak English and did just learn her name and say it, it comes across extremely like it's not acting, you know, it's very like natural yeah. and sweet. And I really loved it again. Like nothing, not a directing choice, just me thinking this little child is great. And so then she gets out in the, in the middle of this whole like war that's happening between the native tribe, tribe and the, um, the contractors know, with whoever guns. the people they've got guns. And she's got a phone that's dead, but she's like holding it up going film camera, camera, filmo. I'm filming you. Cause she doesn't, speaking their language which is spanish uh she's so stupid she's just the worst and i hate eli roth for making her the worst um they realize that she is the same girl from before too yeah. that she's the un child and so they don't kill her um 
but she has like tricked them to think they're being filmed. Again, she's not really filming them. It's a, it's a weird callback that doesn't really make any sense. But she gets home. She's at home. She's back in her dorm with she's Sky in Herrera, her dorm room. Um, and she goes to meet with her father and a bunch of other UN people because they're like, "What the fuck happened to you? You know, we we picked you up and you were like covered in white paint at ceremonial. You know, and all of your wear, friends are dead. And all your friends are dead. Um, and she <laughs> tells this massive lie about how the plane went down and I stood by the fire for as long as I could, but then the tribe came to help me and I never felt unsafe when I was with them and they took care of me and I just, I like love them so much, which is such a weird choice. Did you find that as strange as I did? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. Not that I think she should do the opposite. And Which is be go like, exterminate go them. Ext- I don't think she'd be like, daddy, let's go to the forest and get them. But lying almost seems like infantilizing them like they were just babies and i don't want to go kill the, the tribe that killed all my friends like they're they also are... it makes her like this like white savior protecting this tribe yeah like... it's weird they, but why? they did actually kill and eat a lot of people like <laughs> not that it's not that i think the un should like prosecute them but again they're not they're not it's just it's such a weird lie yeah and i don't it know why sense. it's so it's i just like i i can't really put my finger on what i think she should have done and again, this is probably better than going and wiping them out. But I just still am like, why? Why? I don't know. It's just, I just. Also, now the student protest group on campus has uh, T-shirts with Alejandro's face on it. Like he's Che Guevara. Yeah. <laughs> and so now she has to st- like live with that. That like everybody thinks he's a hero. And in the mid credit scene, uh, Alejandro's sister calls her and is like, I found a satellite photo of my brother. We need to talk. Setting up the sequel that never happened. Good. I hope it doesn't happen. It's real dumb shit. Listen, I just want to say this piece. I enjoy my fair share of trash. I like and respect transgression and homages to transgression. Yep. And homages to horror history, which even though that we are now more enlightened, we can look back at Lucio Fulci and understand that he was not enlightened, et cetera, et cetera. Or Alberto mm-hmm. Lenzi, you know, whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, this was never going to be my kind of trash. I don't fucking like cannibal films in the first place. Right. So I am usually the number one, like, fucking cheap, late 70s right. Italian Let horror film bad. defender. Yeah. No, this was never going to work for me personally. It's not my kind of trash. And ultimately, this is, like, this gleeful, shitty to grin, in service of the message that college kids who care about things are stupid. Yeah. So it just, fuck this movie. Fuck this movie. It's yeah. like, really, that's... I just want to leave it... It really bothers me. It offends me in the most mildest sense that I'm just like, you wasted my right. time. because, again, like, it's not even, like... Uh, I think what Eli Roth wants us to do is, like, protest this movie. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I don't think it's good, and I think that you're it's actually perpetuating... Not offens- it's not offensive enough on that regard. No, like, that's what I'm saying. Is like, it's not any more racist than a lot of other stuff that gets put out into the world, you know? Like... Didn't we just watch something that had to... Oh, uh, we watched Parts of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. There's a fucking cannibal tribe in that, too. Yeah. And, like, we watched it. It's not great, but it's not... We watched this. That's what I'm saying. Like, they're the same. Like, this, this to me, was exactly the same as Parts of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, which is a family movie. We should clarify for anyone who's thinking of watching this for some reason. It is gorier than that. Sure, but still, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not more offensive than that. Uh, it is a little... But anyway, I think that's really it's, it's pretty racist at Dead Man's Chest in terms of like that level of offensive. at least no actual animals are killed on screen in this movie. If there is one thing that yeah. Eli Roth actually improved from old cannibal movies, 
it is that I didn't have to watch fucking monkey get his brains eaten. Monkey? Or a, a turtle <laughs> get fucking chopped in half. Jesus. Yeah, I don't have These any movies are fucked movies. up yeah, and I horrible. I don't want to watch these movies at all. Some horror history I can steer clear from, I think. Steer clear of. Do you want to hear some trivia? Some dumb, definitely made up trivia? Yes. Some uh, propaganda from Eli Tell Roth? Tell me Eli Roth's lies. Eli Roth claims that, um, again, you said this earlier, but that they're not an indigenous tribe, but they are very cut off. Uh, they're farmers. And so they'd never seen a movie before, never seen a moving picture in their lives. So Eli Roth showed them Cannibal Holocaust. And they were like, <laughs> they thought it was a comedy. They thought it was so funny. Uh, so they were very eager to be in this movie. Um... He told he tells some like nice stories about how like the language language barrier was a lot, but he learned some stuff in their language and they learned some English, and so he would just kind of do a lot of thumbs up at them and like I also talk to them a little the, bit. The kids of the tribe spoke Spanish, and yes. the older members spoke an indigenous language that, um, like, so the, the the younger members of this tribe had Could, to be the go betweens, right? Because there were they didn't have translators. For and he talked about how the, the kids had a lot of fun and how he would let them yell, cut, and action. Which is very cute. There's a lot of sweet, sweet things there. Um, but this was also a pretty, like, just kind of in general fucked up experience. They were all getting sick. A lot of the things that happen in this movie seem to also happen to the real people making it. Sick all the time. Tarantulas, snakes, spiders. They all get, like, you know, lots of shots. And uh, they all got sick when they got home. And uh, Lorenza, what's her last name? The girl who plays Justine. She did legit almost drown. There's a scene where we see her swimming. clutching a rock and swimming. And uh, she was yelling. The, they had a safe word for like, this is what you yell if you're really drowning. Yeah, yeah. But the water was so loud they couldn't hear her. So she was just drowning and screaming. And it's in the movie. I don't know why people keep going back to the Amazon to shoot. Like, Werner Herzog learned in fucking 1981 or whatever that uh, it was a nightmare and with shooting Fitzcarraldo and like you don't do it like there's a whole documentary about what a nightmare it was and how they all almost killed each other going insane in the jungle trying to drag a fucking steamship up a mountain like don't go to the Amazon and shoot a movie it's not conducive to it it's yeah, not it's meant just... to be a film set no the the fact that seems the most fake uh, and I when I read this yesterday I laughed so hard because it's it sounds so fake and it sounds so perpetuative of the exact problems we're talking about is that they went to like thank the tribe as they were leaving um for letting them film and for being a part of everything and the tribe to thank the film crew tried to give them a child they said here's a two-year-old child and the producer had to be like thank you but no thank you which again it sounds fake this is like oh oh they tried to traffic a child because they're so savage like that yeah oh, i don't buy it i don't buy it at all it's so stupid oh my god i can't like <sighs> are you ready to slice your own throat after devouring this movie Ugh. i yeah i guess i don't want to think about this ever again why don't you pull through let's so we can move on <laughs> It'll be October soon. Our next episode will be in October. Yeah. So I'd love if the roulette would serve up something spooky. We'll see. I want some vibes. I love vibes. All right. Ready to spin it? Our next movie will be... Krisha. I've been wanting to watch this movie for so long. Nice. This is uh, Trey Rochelle's film Before It Comes at Night. Yeah. A recent, a recent film we did. I've been wanting to watch this. This has been on my Letterboxd watch list for like, I feel like three years. As long as you've had Letterboxd. Yeah. <laughs> Is it okay to do some uh, Tradbird Schultz again? It feels... Yeah, why not? I don't know. We don't usually do a director's entire filmography. <laughs> I mean, we'll do Waves next, not a horror movie. 
I don't know. I, re- I really want to watch this. I've been wanting to watch it forever. Yeah. So our first episode of October will be Krisha. Krisha. I'm excited. Me too. It, it, I have been wanting to watch this for a while too. You haven't seen it? No. Awesome. I'm excited. I love it. Until then, you can check us out on our website at nowscreaming.com. And on Twitter and Facebook at nowscreaming. Be sure to leave us a like and a subscribe. Please. And check us out on Twitter, where we recently celebrated our four-year anniversary of this four show. Four years! Oh my goodness! We were so innocent then, too. That was before the 2016 election. Wow. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. We were different people then. It was a different world. It really was a different time. I think the Cubs were, like, about to win the World Series. When we started recording? When we started, because it was in October that they won. Yeah. So we were just, like, full of joy and life and innocence. I'm not a Cubs innocence. fan. Let the record show. Well, I am. You still had a fucking blast, though. I did have a, a fun time, but I am a Cardinals fan. <laughs> I will never betray that. You did. I saw you partying in the streets when the Cubs won. There's I no saw video evidence. Own to- there actually is. <laughs> Thanks, as always, to Wes Craven and to Quentin Tarantino for casting Lorenzo Itzo in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And again, a very, very fun little role. Yeah. Uh, I think this she was probably cast also after she had divorced Eli Roth. So It's nice uh, that he was still like, she's great. You should definitely, uh, to his friend, like you should cast her. And her, what, 10 minutes in that movie are better than her hour and 45 in this movie. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Until next time, everybody. Stay spooky. Stay spooky.